Well, welcome everybody. We are very, very happy to see all of you. Thank you so much for joining us. If you're visiting today at the Wilshire Church of Christ, let me tell you something. You've come to a wonderful congregation. Now, you're not seeing all of us. We've got some people that are hiding in the camera back there, and one day I hope you get to meet them too. But you're here, and I hope that you will give us a chance to get to know you after our worship service. Thank you for being with us. This is a congregation that loves the Bible. There are several ways you can characterize this congregation. But having been here over 20 years, this is a congregation that loves the Bible. We love to talk about it. Sometimes we love to argue about it. We love to study about it. We love to meditate on it. This is a congregation that loves the Bible. And if you love the Bible, this is a good congregation. So we are glad that you are with us today. Paul says to the Ephesian church. He had worked hard to establish the Ephesian church, but, but after he left, it had, every missionary's dream, it had, it had blown up. It had evangelized and it had established congregations. Lots of Christians he didn't even know had been born after his missionary work. And so he writes the book of Ephesians, knowing a lot of these people uh, weren't you know, personally acquainted with him. And he says this, he says, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. He says, when I think about what all of you, many of whom I haven't ever met, what I think about and pray about what your development needs to be like, what, what path your Christian life needs to follow if you mature, I hope that every day you become more and more able to grasp, to feel, the enormity, how wide, how deep, how high, how, uh, the enormity of the love of Jesus Christ. Jeremy and I are almost to the end of this series we've been doing on love hard. Love as it's really presented in scripture. Not Valentine's Day love, not rolls off the tongue love, but love that requires things of us, that asks us to do difficult things. And we've, we're reaching the climax here because we're going to talk today about Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about him this week and, Lord willing, next week. The love of Jesus Christ. Because, brothers and sisters, Paul's exactly right. If you and I want to have strength tomorrow to be Christians... We want to resist temptations this next week. If we want to be able to reach the lost and to overcome sin and to strike 
a blow for the truth of the gospel and to make this a better world, we need to understand and really begin to feel deeply just how wide and high and long and deep the love of Christ is. The Bible's full of this. The New Testament, this is one of the favorite themes of several writers to help us understand who Jesus is and what it means that he has loved us. I've just picked a few passages, and, and if you have your Bibles, you can just jump back and forth with me. If you have those study sheets, it's going to save you some time today because uh, I've kind of pulled them out and collected them for you. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. John 1, 1 through 4. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The word that John is talking about is, of course, Jesus Christ. He lets you know that. Who comes in the flesh. Takes on flesh. Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ is creator. Look at the world that's around you. John says this world is made by this one who came and took on flesh to be with us. We feel the love of Christ more and more the more we feel from what a high place he started. Hebrews says essentially the same thing. It says several things about Christ. It makes this claim in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, the first part of verse 3. The Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Look around you again. The trees and the ground and the sky and the stars and those farthest images that the James Webb telescope can bring us. They're being held in existence by the hands of Jesus Christ. Colossians 1, 15 through 17. He, that's Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. The firstborn over all creation. Some people got confused by that and said, well, how does that fit if John... Chapter 1 says he, everything that's been made, he made it. How could he also be firstborn? And we have to understand that firstborn has to do with rank, not temporal succession there. Jesus, there was never a time when Jesus didn't exist. Everything that came into existence, Jesus caused it to come into existence. 
Jesus is firstborn in the sense of he is the crown prince of the universe. He is the firstborn of the royal family. And here, Colossians says, if you've been looking at the ground and the sky and the trees and the birds and the animals, the visible things, use your mind to think about the invisible. Think about the powers and authorities that exist in the spiritual realm. The invisible things. The invisible forces. Jesus made those too. He's head over those things too. By rights, the entire universe should bow its knee to him as their rightful Lord and King. We're in the presence of one of the profoundest mysteries that the human mind is capable of thinking about. The nature of Jesus Christ. Equal with God, the exact representation of God's nature. The agent that God uses to make all of this real. To give all of this order that's around us. That's the Jesus Christ that has loved us. The Bible says that's step one of what we need to understand about the love of Jesus Christ. The next step is the big one. Because there's Jesus equal with God. And then something truly mind-bendingly strange takes place. Something that whatever insights the prophets had been given, they were not prepared for. They didn't see this clearly. Even now when we have the word of God, it's still looking at things in a dim, foggy glass for us. Because Philippians says, I'm going to turn here to Philippians 2, verses 6 through 8. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, just like the other passages have said, though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be seized, to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of humanity. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. We feel the love of Christ more the more we feel how big the gap he crossed. To come and save us. Paul says, I want you to understand the Jesus that died on the cross to save you is the God who created you. The God that sustains you in existence day by day. 
God the Son, God the Father, God the Spirit. This is a mystery that still boggles our mind. But the Jesus that died on the cross to save you is that God. John 1 verse 14 says something similar. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Hebrews 2 verses 14 and 15 says this, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death that is the devil, and free those who all their lives have been held in slavery by their fear of death. And then in verse 17, he picks that up. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus crossed an infinite gap to come and be here with you because you needed his help. The more your mind can rest on that thought, the more your mind can wake up meditating on that thought and go to sleep thinking about that thought, Jesus crossed from heaven to here to come and help me. The more your heart can try to wrap itself around that idea, the stronger you're going to be. How high and wide and long and deep is the love of Jesus Christ who crossed over to come and save us. Now Philippians continues that theme. We had that read this morning. Philippians says, starting in verse 9, Therefore God has highly exalted him, that's Christ, and bestowed on him the name that's above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Paul doesn't even stop taking the language of the Old Testament prophets that were applied to Jehovah God, every knee bowing, every tongue confessing Jehovah God in the Old Testament prophets and says, don't you understand that the way that will be fulfilled is every knee bowing, every tongue confessing Jesus Christ. Jesus and Jehovah God are not distinct. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, somehow they are all one. And because Jesus Christ humbled himself, God the Father has raised him up. And he will be the one 
that the entire universe bows the knee to and every tongue in the universe confesses the name of. Again, we're in the presence of profound mystery here. Incredible depths. We Christians have been given the key to the universe here. This is the key to the universe. I love reading the news from the James Webb Space Telescope. It's an incredible technological achievement, and it's going to reveal a lot of knowledge for us. It's not the key to the universe. I love reading the news from the Large Hadron Collider in Switzerland. It's providing incredible leaps of knowledge. It's not going to give us the key to the universe. The key to the universe is this right here. That God has taken the one who was willing to cross from heaven to here. And that will be the name that the entire universe one day praises. The love that crosses over to help others is going to conquer everything. That's the key to the universe. There's coming a day. It could be before I finish the sermon. It could be before this day is over. Some of us may not make it to our cars. I would, I'm in the mood for that, I got to tell you. Or it may be another 2,000 years. We don't know. But the day is coming. When the same Jesus who walked those dusty streets in Palestine will return and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess the one who was willing to leave heaven to come here to help us. He is the true Lord of everything. Even those who are in rebellion against him, even those who mock you for being a Christian, they too will understand at that point. This is, this is the key to the universe. The love that's willing to humble itself and cross over to help others. That's what the universe is about. Well, what does that mean for you? What does that mean for me? We're not in the dark about that. Paul has already told us. He, he, he told us his whole story in Philippians about Jesus Christ to make a point about how he wants us to live. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, he already said, here's what I want from you as you grasp this love of Christ. If there's any encouragement in Christ... If any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, by having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, 
but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Paul says, if the love that crosses over is the key to the universe, we got to have some of that love in our own lives. That's part of what we are meant to be. The love that crosses over. Jesus told his disciples, you know what the world thinks the key to the universe is? Power. You know how the the great people of the world act? They love giving orders. They love receiving honors. See, but that's not the way it works in the real kingdom. The real kingdom, the greatness, the greatest people are the ones who cross the most distance to serve others, who lower themselves the most to be of use to others. That's the key. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, knowledge puffs up. It's good. But by itself, it just makes us all haughty and proud. Knowledge puffs up. He says it's love that builds up. Brothers and sisters, as we reach our hearts out to try and begin to grasp how wide and high and long and deep this incredible love of Jesus Christ is, we're going to want to have some of that crossover love reflected in us. It means several things in practice. Too too many for me to talk about in this sermon. Let me mention a couple, though. Jesus said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. I want you to go and make disciples. He didn't say, stay where it's comfortable and maybe disciples will come to you. I want you to go and make some disciples. It's not comfortable to go do that. Wilshire is nice and cozy for me. I like the way the worship service goes. I like the leadership. I, I, you know, I like the people. Wilshire's cozy for me. But crossover love makes me ask the question, how does Wilshire feel to somebody who's never been here before? How do they feel when they come in and they don't really know these songs and they don't really know the people What's, what's going on with them? And what can I do to make sure that they feel welcome enough that they can come here and have an experience with Jesus Christ? That's what crossover love says. And crossover love looks out into the world and says, I can't stay where it's comfortable and safe. Always. Sometimes I gotta. Sometimes I'm worn out. Even Jesus had to withdraw sometimes to recharge. 
But crossover love says, I can't always just stay in my comfort zone. I got to cross over. I got to get out. I'm going to encourage all of us to think about what kind of crossover conversations might be available to us in our lives. You may have some crossover conversations that need to, hap- need to happen in your life with people where a, where a rift has arisen, past hurts or past angry words or past wrongs or whatever. That may need to happen. I'm not saying it always can happen, and, and, and God doesn't say you're capable of resisting every temptation, every temptation that he sends you. He makes a way of escape. Every test that you're given. But there are some conversations that you do have strength enough to have. And crossover love says, I think I'm ready to try again to cross that gap that's developed. You've got people in your life or in your acquaintance circle that really think differently than you. You have people in your life who think differently than you do about abortion, They think differently than you do about gender roles, who think differently than you do about sexuality, who think differently than you do about how families should even be structured, who think differently than you do about politics, and so many other things. And there are conversation modes you can engage in that aren't really crossover conversations. Two very common conversation modes that keep you firmly within your comfort zone. Keep me firmly in my safety space. I can say, oh, that's fine. You believe whatever you want to believe. I'll believe what I want to believe. That keeps me safe when I say that. It doesn't let me come to where you are. Or, here's another conversation mode that keeps me safe. Makes me feel cozy. As soon as the first word I disagree with comes out of someone's mouth, I immediately say, let me explain to you the seven scriptures that that's wrong according to. That also makes me feel safe. But it doesn't cross anything. It doesn't cross over to anyone. And I think crossover love calls us to do something else. I think crossover love says, I'm going to do what James says. I'm going to be quick to hear, quick to listen, and slow to speak, and slow to get angry. So a crossover conversation is a conversation that says, even when I hear something I don't like, even when I hear something that makes me feel uncomfortable, even when I hear something that I know for sure is wrong, it says, let's talk about that. Let me ask you some questions about that. How did you come to that position? Because... 
Because there's a person there. A person Jesus came from heaven to save there. And I can cross out of my comfort zone temporarily to try and cross that gap a little bit to be there with that person. That person is not the opinion they have, the political party they belong to, the lifestyle they've currently occupied. That person is not those things. That person is someone Jesus Christ wants right now to save. And crossover love in us, as it grows, says, I want to go and be a part of that process. I want to go and express some of Christ's love to them. Holy Spirit, help me know how I can do that. Loving Father, help me be strong so that I can do that. Jesus, who came to save me, help me go to save others. I pray that God the Father will give us strength to grasp how high and long and wide and deep is the love of Jesus Christ. If you need to respond to that love, if you need prayers or you're ready to receive baptism, we invite you to come as we stand and are led in song.